1: welcome back to the bear report podcast my name is jeremy stoltz i'm the publisher of bearreport.com here today with bears insider aaron lemming how you doing
2: Oh doing all right man it's starting uh starting to get hot over here in California had a first day over a hundred so uh it's gonna be a little touch and go for the next few weeks until I get used to this. Wow,
1: 100 degrees. Well, it's it's only about 75 in Chicago, so this might be one of those few times in the year where I can actually brag about the weather being better than yours, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah, dude. It's uh, man, it's Southern California is nothing to mess with during the summer, especially yeah. where I'm at.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Chicago's nothing to mess with in the winter, so it makes up for it. <laughs> but let's talk some Chicago Bears. We got uh, just had. The first uh, practice uh, that was open to the media this week on Tuesday of, of training, off-season training, training activities, known as OTAs. Uh, Bears, the entire 90-man roster, got together for the first time this week. I was there on Tuesday. We're going to talk a whole lot about that. But first, let's start with the uh, brand-new addition to the receiving corps today. Bears signed Victor Cruz to a one-year contract. Uh, Cruz is, uh, let's see, he's a seven-year veteran. 30 years old, six o two o four had Torres Patel attendant tendon in 2014, and then underwent a very long recovery process, missed all of 2015, came back, played played uh, 15 games for the Giants last year, 39 catches. You know, where, do, where do you see him fitting here in this wide receiver rotation?
2: Well, uh, w- the one thing that I found very interesting about this was, obviously it's a one-year deal, but... Uh, at least according to one of the beat writers for the Giants, they said that he's on a going to be on a one-year $2 million deal with $2 million in incentives, which doesn't seem like much. But at least from what I think is, his name's Art Stapleton, what Art Stapleton was saying was the fact that that $2 million is guaranteed, and the Bears were trying to get him to sign before he walked out the door last week. So what the guaranteed money tells me, <clears throat> okay, even though it's only $2 million, they plan on having him on the roster. This isn't some training camp battle he's going to come in and do whatever. He's got a spot on the roster. Uh, so you look at that, and you've, you've, in my opinion, you've got five guys that are absolute locks to make the roster. You have Cameron Meredith, Kevin White, Marcus Wheaton, Kendall Wright, and now Victor Cruz. So depending on if they keep five or six guys, I would assume six guys. Five of your six guys are already locked in, and quite frankly, uh, at least looking on paper, uh, that's a pretty interesting—I'm not going to say it's a bad group. Uh, it's a little underwhelming, um, but— it, I, this the signing doesn't really make much sense to me. How about you?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I can understand. I, I actually didn't see that $2 million uh, guaranteed money, which I think you're right. If that is true, then the, this isn't a tryout basis for uh, Victor Cruz. Uh, you give $2 million to somebody guaranteed with $2 many more in incentives, and you have, to, you have plans for him. Um, I, yeah, I don't know what he can bring. Like I said, only 39 catches last year, and I didn't watch a ton of them last year, but he didn't necessarily look like the same player he was back in his heyday. You know, you go back to uh, 2011, uh, his second season in the NFL had over 1,500 receiving yards. And then another 1,000-yard season in 2012 and was two yards shy of three straight 1,000-yard seasons in uh, 2013. So when he was at, you know, his, his best... Uh, he was a legitimate number one wide receiver in the NFL, but he's not that anymore. And we saw that last year. I know that uh, the Giants had moved on a little bit from Cruz. He was kind of a third wheel in that offense. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he he didn't show the same type of uh, burst, you know, the deep ball ability that he had before and just that that quickness, that post catch quickness that Victor Cruz always had. I mean, he was one of my favorite receivers back in the day. I, I just, you know, I, I doubt that he's going to elevate this receiving core very much. Do you see, uh, you know, I, I, I think maybe in the locker room he can help, but are we, what what are we going to get out of him this year?
2: Well, and that's, that, that's kind of what I've been wondering myself because you look at it and right now I see Kendall Wright, I see Marcus Wheaton and I see Victor Cruz and those, like I said, those three guys are probably locks on the roster. And for the most part, and we'll get into this a little bit later, especially with Kendall Wright, for the most part, I see these guys as all slot receivers. So it i i don't think it's bad i don't think it's a bad move and i and, but i'm not overly excited about it because you're talking about a guy that's already 30 years old he's coming off uh, an injury that has has impacted his game a pretty good amount so you kind of have to wonder at this point I mean what kind of role is he playing is this just a uh, you know throw fox a bone and Loggins a bone here and say okay here's another target and, you know do with what you can this year i i don't and this is i, I think coming from kind of a rebuild mindset this is why i don't really like these 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 guys that are being signed over 30 because you look at it it's like there's no long-term effects here granted i get it you know they're they're not going to be in the playoffs this year but if it was me i mean i'm looking at tanner gentry or i'm looking at even somebody like a reuben randall or daniel braverman those are the kind of guys that i want to see on the field over victor cruz i mean if victor cruz comes in let's say he's the fourth receiver i mean what can you really expect out of that uh so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you got good depth if it if, if it comes to that. But then you look at these guys again. Like I said, the five names. Who on here can play special teams? And that's another – when you look at receivers, especially what they had over the last few years, you need at least one guy to play special teams, which I would assume at this point is probably going to be either Gentry uh, or Bellamy. But it, it just – like I said, uh, the dynamics of it don't make a lot of sense. I get why they would do it. Maybe you know, give another solid target to Glennon. Uh, but they pretty well just replaced, in my opinion, they just replaced an Eddie Royal type player. Uh, well, Eddie Royal with another Eddie Royal type player, and save three million dollars out of it. It just doesn't doesn't add up.
1: Well, I, I, the only reason it adds up to me, or the in the one way it adds up, is just the, the unreliability of Kevin White, and just having more bodies there at that position, assuming he's not going to be able to do much, and would get will get to to uh, his non-participation in Tuesday practice, but. You know, if you can't depend on, do, would you if you were GM Ryan Pace or head coach John Fox, are you sitting there going, "Yes, this is the year we can really count on Trevin White"? Right? No, no chance. I mean, you're stupid if you are. So you at least get somebody in here who's been successful in the past. Uh, you know, obviously doesn't have the same skill set he did three years ago, but uh, you know, he'll, he'll bring something to the locker room. He'll bring some experience. And if Kevin White d- does go down, then he's your number three. And I guess you could do a lot worse uh then your number 3 being Victor Cruz but uh yeah I, you know I I just don't see him coming out and lighting it up and and really doing a whole lot maybe maybe he can you know be a, be that good possession receiver uh, move the chains here and there and, and you know provide something in the locker room but yeah this is uh just a depth move and I I'm really surprised that they paid him that much money I gotta be honest
2: yeah it uh it the money tells the story for me. I mean, two million dollars doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're fully guaranteeing that money for that two million plus the other incentives, uh, definitely uh, it doesn't really make much sense. But what I will say uh, before I forget is, I was looking. You know, you can look at the Bears' cap situation right now. They're right about uh, with this deal. They're right about twenty-five, twenty-six million dollars. But the one thing I have noticed that Ryan Pace has done this year is he's put a lot of incentive-based. Uh, clauses within these contracts and I was adding it all up and with Jarrell Freeman already on the roster there's going to be right around 10 million dollars in incentives granted you know between all the players they have on the roster granted if if the players even hit half that then that's probably going to be a really good thing but it is very interesting that that Ryan Pace it almost kind of seems like maybe that's a that's a way to win these guys over is to say okay well we're going to we're not going to overpay for you in terms of you know market value or whatever it may be but we're willing to give you incentives that even if you can reach half that i mean that's a million dollars for victor cruz i think uh j howard had almost four million dollars in incentives so i just thought that was interesting I mean, it did not well, really have much to do with cruz but
1: don't you think though in that by offering those types of deals to maybe some of the more uh, elite players that he did miss on that maybe that was part of the reason they were like no i'm going someplace else give me the money you know
2: yeah absolutely i mean well that and plus they're they're kind of a bad team i mean I, if i had the choice like uh, you know the the corner i'm drawn to by like stephon gilmore if I had the choice between the patriots or the bears and i'm in a situation like that i'm going patriots all day yeah that's true you know and
1: but i mean for the bears so let's say that's let's look at that scenario just in itself if you're the bears you got to put it out there. I mean, you can't say, hey, you know, Stefan, we'll give you this much, and if you if you play well, we'll give you this much. You know, the Patriots over there are going, here, we'll give it to you all. I mean, you trying to have to step up, and I understand the strategy behind those contracts, especially for, you know, a 30-year-old uh, wide receiver or somebody who's, you know, maybe a little past his prime. But, you know, if you're talking about a prime-time guy, you got to get out there and get the money. So I, I, I think if, if that's the overall strategy for every single uh, free agent that comes in here and appears that 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 pretty much has been the case with most of the guys that he has signed over the last couple of years you know you're you're we saw it this year you you risk losing a lot of guys that way so you know hopefully that like you said if they if they come close to to earning those incentives and they've done well and that should uh, translate to the field but uh you know you're probably going to lose a few guys in free agency if that's your hard line stance and how you want to go about these contracts so we'll see how it works um but what we what i got to see what i do know about is uh, how the Bears looked on the practice field. So you want to discuss but, uh OTAs. Yeah, let's,
2: let's jump right into it. Let's just go ahead and go with the uh, quarterback situation. I think I think this would be a nice way to lead it off here. Now, obviously, you were there for the, the Glennon uh, press conference. I mm-hmm. saw it. Uh, I think a lot of people saw it. Uh, when I heard it and just what I got out of it was not only is Mike Glennon very defensive and territorial about his position – I don't think he's overly confident that he's as good as he he says he is. I, well, what were your what were your thoughts uh, on that, and how did the quarterback situation look on the first day?
1: Well, I, I thought that Lennon was really honest in that uh, press conference, which was very refreshing. You don't get much honesty out of the Bears these days. And you know, when he was his first question was, "How did you think? What did you think of when the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky?" And he said, "You know, just like all the rest of you guys, I was surprised." And I think that was an honest answer, and I I would have been surprised too. I mean Bears just paid him fourteen and a half million, then they trade up three picks to move move up one spot to get to get this quarterback. So um, yeah, and then he and then you know he he reiterated over and over that this is his you know Ryan Pace told him this is his job for 2017. And he can't look beyond 2017. But I think reading between the lines, there you know he knows Pace knows we all know he's not gonna if he's here in 2018 it's gonna be as a backup and i doubt they're gonna pay that much for a backup so i i you know i i think mike glennon just in his attitude and the way that he presented it and the way that he came across i think he knows that this is his only year in chicago would you agree
2: yeah i would uh now now i gotta ask you this because that one of the things that he said kind of threw me off a little bit and i'm calling bs on it uh he was asked, and I don't know, I can't remember who it was by. He was asked if he had to make the decision again, knowing that Trubisky was going to be here, what he is still signed with the Bears, and he said, absolutely. Do you buy that?
1: They paid him fourteen and a half million. Still, yes. I mean, okay, well. that's it's all about the money. I mean, somebody's going to pay me fourteen and a half million to to do anything. Just sit on the bench and be a backup. I'll take that fourteen and a half million over a you know whatever they paid out a nine month period or something like that. So. Uh, you know, if they were, if that scenario applied and they, they did have Trubisky and they were still willing to offer Glenn that much money, yes, I would have done it. But I doubt they would have offered him that much money. And if that was the scenario, if they were going to offer him half that much or something like that, you know, not much more than what Tampa was going to pay him to be a backup, I doubt he would have come over here. I mean, he 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 was told when he came over here he was going to be the starter. This is his job, and I know that you know there was a chance that they were going to buy uh, draft a quarterback but he didn't know that i mean that would that, that probably wasn't even mentioned to him during the during the process so you know he he came in like this is this is my deal and bam first thing they do is they get a quarterback so i mean you're not he's not an idiot and if i was in that position i the writing would be on the wall for me too like hey i got one shot here this is my uh opportunity to show the rest of the nfl what i can do because there's a really really good chance that he's not going to be here next season so this is uh you know this is a, a one year this is a prove-it year a 14 and dollars dollar prove-it year but it's really a prove-it year for uh mike glennon and he's probably you know if he, if he plays well he'll get a good contract next year and then there's going to be another team that's going to be willing to take a chance on him as a starting quarterback but it's not going to be in
2: chicago well and that kind of brings me to my next question here now i've been thinking about this and i've had quite a few people ask me this now and it's still early i get that but when you look at the quarterback situation as a general for for 2017 what do you see as the best case scenario because when i look at it i'm looking at you know uh you know glennon having a good year but you also have to want to maybe see trubisky for you know at least a few games to get some i'm i'm personally not completely in the camp of he needs to sit a whole entire year uh, and, and develop because I think a lot of the development that we're going to see is going to happen uh, during OTAs, during mini minicamp, uh, during training camp, preseason, stuff like that. But I'm also at the in the camp of it, let's just say Glennon. Let's just say Glennon has 12 starts. He does pretty well. I mean, the Bears are probably not going to have a very good year, but let's just say he has 12 good starts. I mean, that's that's capital that the Bears are going to be able to get back next year if they deal him. I mean, we've seen the crazy amount of money and the and the just what teams are willing to give up to get somebody who they view as, you know, a potential starting quarterback in the league. So what would be your ideal situation for twenty seventeen? I think we all know Trubisky's the future at this point, but What's your ideal situation going in this year?
1: Well, I think the ideal situation, like you mentioned, is is to try is to hope that Lennon does well. I mean, I, I like you said nobody nobody's expecting the Bears to win a championship this year. The win loss record I'm not even like that's not even uh, a part of the thinking here. You just want Lennon to play well. So yes, you do have an opportunity. I mean, look at look at the fervor that that happened uh, over Garoppolo. You know, he never even got traded. I mean, the teams were, were climbing all over themselves to get after a guy who, who would play, what, six quarters of NFL football, you know? So, uh, you know, if Mike Glennon comes out, plays 12 really good games, there's going to be some teams out there. Or not really good, but just decent games. There's going to be a lot of teams who are going to be looking, for, you know, NFL starting NFL quarterbacks are rare. You know, the good ones are. So, you know, he plays well. Then you've got teams climbing over themselves to get to, to, to Glennon the same way they did with Garoppolo. But I, I think more than that, you know, if you can pull that off, he plays well. You win a few games and you get something out of them. That's the ideal scenario with Lennon. The ideal scenario with Trubisky is just for him to develop. I mean, I, I, if if he's out there in Week 14, I don't think they're going to thrust him out there if he's not ready. You know, if he can't, if he's still struggling with some of the fundamental aspects, if he's, you know, if he's not, uh, you know, soaking in blitz packages and really being able to read those things in. Uh, Practice. If they don't feel he's there, I don't think they're going to put him out there. I mean, they have too much invested in him to put a guy who's, uh, you know, just going to be a deer in the headlights out there who's probably going to get hurt, you know. So I I think they're going to have to make sure that he's ready. I think they want to put him out. They'd love to get him out there, you know, week 14 or something like that. Get him out there, let him play the last month of the season, get him some reps in there, you know, get, get him a little bit of experience so he's not going into his sophomore season totally cold. I think that's a really good situation, but you can't do that if he's not ready. So I think. You know the ideal scenario with Lennon, play well, trade him. The ideal scenario with Trubisky is that he's ready to go by week twelve or whatever it is, thirteen or fourteen, because that means he's developed beyond the player that I saw two weeks ago when he couldn't even take a snap from under center. I, you know, I, I, I don't think that we can under, uh, you know, under, undervalue or understate how important or how difficult that might be for him. I mean, just the, I mean, he's got to learn the footwork from step, you know, ground zero. And I, I saw some improvement out of him uh, on Tuesday. I didn't see any fumbled snaps or bobbled snaps. Admittedly, my my uh, my view wasn't great, uh, but you know he's got he's got to get the, he's got to get over that hump. And I think get, seeing him out here in Week 14, Week 13, that means he's he's gotten over that hump, and that's that's the first step for Trubisky. That's what I'd like to see.
2: Okay, well, that makes I mean that makes a lot of sense and. It's going to be a very delicate situation, in my opinion, just trying to figure out a good balance, because I think ultimately the Bears would like to be able to get something for Glennon. Worst case, obviously they cut him. uh, They're still going to save. I think it's right around $11.5 million. Not really a huge uh, deal to take a little bit of a loss in terms of, I mean, he still serves a purpose, but it, I mean, I'm sure we're going to beat this into the ground by the time it's all said and done, but this is exciting times. I mean, we like I said, we'll keep talking about, but. To get to the quarterbacks a little bit more in depth in the terms of what happened in practice, sure. the first thing I'd like to know is how are they dealing with the rep situation? Who's getting what reps? Where's Trubisky at? Where's Glennon at?
1: Yeah, they're, uh, well, The uh, Sanchez is the backup right now, and I think most expected that. I, I don't know how long that's going to last. Um, you know, Sanchez looked like Mark Sanchez out there, not, not horrible, not great. He seemed to struggle the most. There was pressure for most of the afternoon during that practice, and he seemed to struggle the most with the pressure. Um, Something we, we've seen him struggle with throughout his career. So, if Trubisky, you know, is able to, you know, make these steps that we just talked about and do them fairly quickly here over the next couple of months, then I think he's going to leapfrog Sanchez, you know, with, in a heartbeat. I, I think the Bears would love for him to prove that he's, you know, viable enough to be a backup quarterback. But at the same time, like I mentioned, he's got a long way to go and. I think there's a really good chance that Sanchez is going to make the roster just because they want, you know, if something does happen to Glennon, like I said, you don't want to put Trubisky out there if he's not ready, and you know, and he's he's going to risk getting himself hurt or getting somebody else hurt and just really, you know, uh, potentially affecting his future. You know, you just don't want to do that. So I, I think there's a good chance that Sanchez would be out there now. As far as a rep, reps, they were pretty even. I, I mean, I think Trubisky probably got as many reps as Mike Glennon did during the practice. So it was it was obvious to me that. They are. They put some thought into this, and they, you know, they're going to divide these reps up, and he's not going to be left out. I mean, if anybody's going to get left out, it's going to be Mark Sanchez or Connor Shaw, who barely saw the field, you know. But it, it appears that they are going to, you know, he's not going to be ignored in this in this scenario. And obviously, they're not going to ignore him, but he, they're going to make sure that they do everything. He gets as many possible reps as he can because typically backups don't even number two guys don't even get hardly any reps. You get more in these OTA periods, but as you get into the regular season, those reps pretty much drop off and the starter gets all the reps. But I, I don't think that's going to be the case with Trubisky. I think even even if he's not ready, even if they know he's not going to be out there, they're not you know, it's not a waste of time to get him those reps in the regular season practices. So I think that's going to continue going forward with the hopes that if he does have to go out there, these reps will, will help prepare him for that.
2: Well definitely it definitely makes sense and it it's going to be a delicate situation. I don't think there's really any way around that. I think uh, I, at you know, this and, point in
1: time... I'm sorry. I'll stop you. It's going to get even more delicate. if they, We talked about the ideal scenario. What about the worst-case scenario? They come out and go 0-4, 1-5, 1-6, or something like that. How delicate do you think it's going to be then?
2: Oh, that's that's a good point. And, and I think you bring up a good point. And it's always something I forget to say. I think it, but I don't say it. it, it this is all if Trubisky's ready, you know, if he's not ready, I, and I would rather see Mark Sanchez out there and I, or even, you know, obviously it's not going to happen, but like Matt Barkley, I'd rather see that situation in Trubisky sitting on the bench, than throwing him into a situation that he's not ready for much like Jared Goff last year, uh, and really, you know, potentially ruining his development. So that, I mean, that's, like I said, so delicate, uh, and, but uh, you know, moving on a little bit here in terms of what we got, and uh, you know, at the skill positions, everything else like that, uh, who stood out? I mean, this I think that's going to be kind of a big question whether it be Mike Glennon or Mitch Trubisky taking the majority of the you know the the, the games this year. I mean, who is he going to have to throw to? I mean, is Jordan Howard uh, does he? I think one of the biggest questions for me at least was, is he in enough shape? Because there was a few runs that we saw last year where he'd break off these 55, 60 yarders, and then all of a sudden. He just kind of bogged down, and I, I know that was something that the coaching staff talked a lot about, getting him in better shape, maybe having him lose a little bit of weight and get that that stamina up, so he's able to make those 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 60 yard runs turn into 80 yard runs for touchdowns.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really difficult for me to, to tell you what type of shape he's in, just because they're practicing in shorts and 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 t-shirts. But what I will tell you is that he did look the same as he did last year. I mean, he didn't look any bigger. You know, he, he looked like the same Jordan Howard, but he he carried himself more like a veteran. He carried himself more like a pro bowler and he carried himself like the focal point of the office, which is what he's going to be this year. And, and you know, that's not what we saw out of Jordan Howard last year. I mean, Jordan Howard at this time, um, I think, he, I don't even think he was practicing during the first week OTAs last year. I don't think he got into late in the OTAs when he started because he got hurt in, in rookie minicamp. So, you know, at this time, Jordan Howard was an afterthought last season and now he's the main man and he's, he's carrying himself like the main man. You know, you see that you see that confidence. You see him, you know, out there. You know, nobody's, you know, nobody's allowed to touch him. I mean, he's the guy. So I can't speak on his conditioning, but I, it does look like he's ready. I, I, I think he's going to prove on what he did last year. As long as you know he stays healthy and and all the you know the offense uh, can block for him. But I, I, I see big things for Jordan Howard this year.
2: Now speaking of another guy that was somewhat of an afterthought as well. Uh, moving on to receiver, Cameron Meredith, I mean, how did – I saw your report and it sounded like everything was good. But let's uh, let's, uh, let's hear a nice in-detail report on how this number one receiver is coming out for us. Yeah, he's
1: – you know, he's he, – you know, he, he worked with the first team and he made a number of really nice catches. One of the best ones that he made was um, – Going up over the back of a defender and using every bit of his six three height to elevate and draw up over uh, over the defender, to make the catch, and that was near the sideline. And you know, I, I saw the same camera merit that I saw last season. Uh, to, you know, toward the end of the season when he was really starting to come on. And you know, I, I think that he's like Jordan Howard. It's merit of the show right now. I know that we talked about Victor Cruz. We got the new guys in Wheaton and Nintendo, right? but this is merit. I mean, he played like a number one when I when I saw him out there on the on the practice field and I, I think that, you know, we're talking about a guy who was only a few yards away from getting a thousand yards and that was after barely playing over the first couple of weeks. So I, I think that, you know, if he can build some chemistry with Mike Lennon, there's no reason that he can't. They're gonna get all of those reps together here over the next month, uh plus two months. Um, you know, if he, they build some chemistry there that early chemistry and they're able to develop that throughout training camp. I, th- I, I again, I like, trying to like Jordan Howard, I have, I have really high hopes for Cameron Meredith. I mean, we all know he physically he can do it. I mean, six three, very good hands that you you hardly ever see Cameron Meredith drop a pass. So if he does take that next step, I and mean, he took a huge step last year, so if he can just take an incremental step in his third season, you know that's going to push him over the top, make him a thousand yard receiver, and make him legitimate number one that uh, opposing defenses have to be scared of. And if you have that, then room opens up for guys like Kendall Wright and Marcus Sweeten and Victor Cruz because defenses are going to focus a little bit more on Cameron Meredith. So that's going to benefit everybody. It's going to push the safeties back a little bit, which is going to benefit Jordan Howard. So, you know, it's huge for Cameron Meredith right now. I'd love, you know, for the Bears sake, it would be great to see him, you know, continue to build on what he did this week and and truly, you know, come out that first week of the regular season and be a number one guy.
2: And somebody I really liked that they signed at receiver was Ken Wright, and I know that you had mentioned that he was probably the more impressive receiver out of the out of the group. I mean, how did? Because something that I saw you mention that I thought was very interesting was the fact that you said that he wasn't just lining up as a slot. Uh, you said he was all over the field.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you know we saw that last season uh, with Dal Loggins. There are there are no true slot receivers. I mean, I know I know that. Uh... You know, guys are, have tendencies to play here and there, but nobody just played in the slot for Dow Loggins last year. Nobody just played the boundary position, uh, the you know, the, the flanker, the wide receiver position. I mean, they all switched around, and I saw a lot of that in practice again. I, I you know, you see that you do, you see those same trips formations, those bunch formations that we saw last year. I mean, not a whole lot from what I could tell. Uh, had changed with the offense. I'm sure they're going to have some wrinkles in there, but it did look like Kendall Wright was, you know, faster than most of the secondary. Anybody that he went up against, he was quicker than and, and was really able to uh, have his way with most of the defenders on the roster. Now, I don't know if that says, you know, if that says more about the secondary than it does about Kendall Wright, uh, but, you know, he made a number of plays and really, you know, put his stamp in the offense right away. I mean, uh, he's a veteran. Um you know, he's, he's making, he's only on a one-year contract, you know, so he's another guy who's got a lot to prove here, and I think, you know, he has, he's of the mindset, you know, a little bit of bad press that he got last year in Tennessee, and I think he's out to prove everybody wrong, and that, that that at least for one day, carried over to the practice field.
2: Well, the, the most important thing with me when I look at Kendall Wright is the fact that his two, who two of his best years came under Dowell Loggins, so I, I and I think, that that signing made a lot of sense to start, and I think it, I think it's going to pay good rewards. I mean, this is somebody. He was a first round pick. Uh, he was right. taken before Alshon Jeffrey. Not saying he's a better receiver than Alshon Jeffrey, but I mean, this is somebody that was highly thought of coming out of college, and he had a few good years. Now, before we move on to the defense, uh, how did the new look tight ends? I, I know I don't think Zach Miller was on the field, at least from what I get or from what I remember. But I mean, you got Sims, Shaheen, Daniel Brown. Uh, there's a lot more talent there this year. Yeah, the tight
1: ends. Well, the first first thing is Shaheen, and, and when we talked about him in the uh, before, right after the Bears drafted him, we talked about how everybody, you know, his collegiate film. Everybody he looked like he was playing against high school kids, and it was like, well, wait till he gets on the wait till he gets on the big boy field. He's not gonna. Look. No, he looks just as big on the big boy field. I mean, he, even with the huge players that are on the team all around him, Shaheen still stood out. I mean, the guy's six seven, two hundred and eighty pounds. And he again was just making plays. I mean, it, I I see fluidity out of him. I see good hands. Uh, he's not a stiff, you know, a lot of you know like uh, Kellen Davis type player. You know, he's got he's got better hands than Kellen Davis. So uh, you know, I think I think he's you know, especially maybe not so much this year, but as he continues that uh, chemistry with Trubisky, 2018. If he's you know if he's as good on the field on the right on the playing field as he has on the practice field then you know Shaheen's he's going to be the real deal he's going to be a beast out there he's going to be tough to cover and he's going to demand a lot of attention from opposing defenses I did think that Dion Sims looked very good Sims looked very good as well um, doesn't obviously have the same size as Shaheen but Sims looked fluid out there caught a number of passes um, he did have the only false start of the practice so that's obviously something he needs to work on but. Um, yeah, I think I think the Bears have serious upgrades at the tight end position. If Zach Miller does get out there and can play and play at the level that he's shown over the past couple of seasons, then you have three viable uh, pass catch, pass catching options in the passing attack. Which, like you mentioned before, the wide receiver group doesn't scare you. So, if you know you at least have a couple of guys, uh, you know, inline guys who can who can scare you a little bit. Again, that's going to help some of those other guys and, and create some more space for the uh, for Mike Lennon, whoever's throwing passes out there.
2: Well, I think the the biggest key with uh, Deion Sims is the fact that he's probably going to be the starter, especially when you look at. I mean, he's he's more of an in-line guy. Uh, he's a, he's a good blocker, definitely a better blocker than much else what they have on the roster. But I think he's going to be somebody. I mean, the Bears were pretty high on him. I mean, we saw what he paid him. What is it, six million dollars a year? I mean, that's pretty big money for a guy that was considered a blocking tight end. So. Yeah. Moving over the defense. Well, you know, uh, let me let me let
1: me mention one last thing in the tight ends, um, in terms of blocking. And I know that we're not talking about uh, the be all end all Bible of, of statistics, but Pro Football Focus graded Deion Sims as one of the worst blocking tight ends in the in the league last year. Graded Zach Miller as a top five blocking tight end. So that's just I'm, I'm not saying that they're always right, but that's just an interesting fact and something to keep in mind as we go forward with these guys.
2: That is an interesting stat. I yeah. <laughs> I've never seen that, and oh, that's. Yeah, uh, whatever. I mean, they, they've watched more of Deion Sims than I have. I've right. basically seen highlight reels of him, so I'm sure they probably know more than I do on that. Uh, but moving over to the defensive side of the ball, I think it, And it's funny because I saw, I think it was NFL.com put out, like, the top 12 best top, uh, you know, front sevens. And the Bears weren't on the list. And I get it. You know, there, there's a lot of injuries. Uh, there's definitely, you know, I think some of what the Bears, what Bears fans are seeing is more of an upside. But, I mean, let's, let's let's look at it here, especially the defensive line. Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman's back healthy. Jay Howard. Uh, I mean, and then you got Pernell McPhee, Danny Trevathan, who's probably going to be out for a little bit. Daryl Freeman, Leonard Floyd. I mean, they got a, they got a bevy of pass rushers going on here. Here, uh, anybody really stick out? Uh, is Jay Howard actually practicing? Is he healthy? What's going on there?
1: Uh, I don't. You know, that's a great question about Howard. I- I, I'm looking at my list right here. It doesn't look like he was there. I didn't notice He's not in any of my notes. So I don't think Howard was practicing. Um, also, uh, Pernell McPhee and Lamar Houston limited in practice. They're both, uh, it doesn't look like they're going to get up to full speed here right away, but uh, it's worth noting that Leonard Floyd was, uh, he would, the, uh, he was said the week before, uh, OTA started that he had gained some weight. Um, about fifty, two fifty five 250 255 is what it said and again we you know the the bears media uh put us about 50 yards away from the action so it was really difficult to get an up close look at these guys but from what i during positional drills i was able to sneak up get a little farther than you know the little yellow box that they try and keep us in and get a little closer to leonard floyd and he definitely does look bigger i mean i i can i can attest to that um you know, he looked thicker in the upper body, even look thicker in the legs, which I thought was kind of interesting. So, I, you know, we'll see. if it doesn't sap his speed, if that extra added weight allows him to hold, the, hold up at the point of attack a little bit better and uh, keeps him from getting injured, yet he's able to retain that speed. I think that's going to be a great thing. Um, players aren't, we're not in pads yet, so it's really difficult to gauge. Pass rush and those interior, you know, the the trenches and the offenses and of the defensive linemen. But from just a, a physical standpoint, I don't, you know, as long, like I said, as long as it doesn't compromise his speed, which is the best part of his game, I think a 250 pound Leonard Floyd can have, can stay on the field longer and have a much bigger impact than he did last year.
2: Yeah. Well, dude, Leonard Floyd, I, I think a lot of people are projecting him to take. I don't know quite as drastic, but uh, to take a similar step to what Vic Beasley did with the Falcons. And I was high on Vic Beasley coming out of Clemson. I thought he was, you know, a little undersized. I get that he was not really Fangio saying, but dude took a huge step this year. Yep. And I, I think that's something that we can really look for with Floyd because I think one of the biggest things with Floyd is the fact that, I mean, he was built pretty much like a wide receiver. So... Uh, i i definitely think that's worth uh worth keeping an eye on in terms of everything else i mean the secondary has been a big focal point i mean has there i know obviously it's a first day practice no pads nothing like that but does this appear at least in the limited action that you saw i mean does this appear to be something uh, you know does this does this look like an upgraded unit to you at all uh well we're gonna have to wait and see but I mean, I guess if I was to
1: go off of one practice, I would say no, just because the receivers made so many plays, and uh, there was one interception, Bryce Callahan. Um, I believe it was a Sanchez thrown pass that got tipped, and, and Callahan ended up uh, intercepting it. But that was the only turnover, and uh, a, a couple of PBUs, but nothing crazy. I mean, I, I, if if someone stood out defensively, I would, I, you know, I would have seen it, and no one really did. Um, I thought it was interesting that Amukamara uh, and Trooper are the starters. Fuller is a backup right now. So I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know if Fuller's going to make the team, but he's definitely going to have to earn that roster spot. And, you know, he didn't look great again. You know, so I don't, I don't know if this is an upgraded situation. You know, again, it's it's difficult when they're not in pads and you don't see guys tackling. But receivers are making plays all over the field, and, and, and that that's a little concerning. Now, uh, also, one, one play that stood out to me was Amos. Uh, biting on a wheel route by bronicker and getting beat up the sideline, but for a, you know like a 35-yard gain, and, and to me that's that's an issue because we we discussed Adrian Amos and his struggles in coverage, and he comes out right away and gets beat, and uh, you know that's concerning to me. There's a lot of they've, they've stacked this this secondary not with elite talent at least it doesn't look like it, but with a lot of bodies, and if a guy like Amos isn't going to step up, you know same goes with Kyle Fuller. They're going to replace him in a heartbeat, and Amos is in the starting lineup right now with Quentin Demps, but if he continues to allow plays like that, and he's done it over for his first two years in the NFL during the regular season, if that continues, I don't think Adrian Amos is going to be a starting safety. I think Quentin Demps will be out there for sure, but uh, I think the Bears are going to find another player to, 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 to take his spot who can you know, provide a little more stability in the coverage area, especially on the background.
2: Wait. So you're telling me that Adrian Amos is having trouble covering people? <laughs> yeah. Can you believe uh, it? <laughs> I know. That's. Oh man. That's almost unbelievable. But yeah, it. I I think it's going to be. And I think we kind of saw this last year because we've seen a lot. There's a lot of different bodies, especially in the secondary. And I think it's going to take some time, uh, for the defense. And it seems like this every year for the defense to catch up the offense in terms of OTAs, even in training camp, stuff like that. But. It'll definitely be interesting to monitor. Now, the the thing that bothered me the most about your report and what's going on in practice is the fact that Andy Phillips has still not <laughs> kicked a field goal. What is going on? I know, man. He's
1: the guy I really want to see kick. I'm like, I, I, I've th- that's four practices now that I that Andy Phillips has been in, and I still haven't seen him kick a field goal. So yeah, I have no idea what the Bears have. And I mean, I'm talking about I was 84. percent uh, field goal percentage in college. I mean, I think he was like five for six and fifty plus yards or something last year. So I, I, I was really, I'm really hyped to see him get out there and kick a few footballs. But to this point, all the special teams work has been uh, with the punt team and uh, like kickoffs. They haven't done any field goal stuff. So uh, you know, I'm waiting. As soon as I see, as soon as I see him kick, uh, I'll, I'll let everybody know. I, I'd also like to see somebody else do something in practice, and that would be Chevin White, who did not practice on Tuesday. Um, obviously, John Fox didn't offer any uh, any details, but it was interesting because when Mike Lennon talked, he said, and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing here, but you know, he he really impressed us yesterday with some of the catches that he made, impressed a lot of people out here. So that means, I, I, what, where was he making those catches? I mean, to me, it means it sounds like he was out there practicing, and then for one reason or another, didn't couldn't make it through two practices. And now I don't know if that's because of a re-injury or because. Uh, they're just trying to take it easy with him i don't know but you know here's here's a guy plays four games his first two seasons first opportunity we get to see him out there he's standing in shorts
2: well there's three things that i've noticed throughout what you're saying here that have been huge surprises the first is adrian amos not being good in (laughs) coverage the second is kevin white not being on the field practicing and the third is the fact that john fox is still yet to say anything but in all seriousness i you have to wonder at this point in time it's like are they babying him? Are they trying to be secretive with Kevin White? What are they? It doesn't. It, it's a year three, man. I mean, this is we're talking about a seventh overall pick, uh, you know, two seasons ago, you know, three, you know, three drafts ago, whatever it may be, and he's played four games. And quite frankly, up until I, you know, in the fourth game he kind of looked like he was starting to put it together for a little bit. But he has not done anything whatsoever. To justify that pick, and, and at least for me, it's kind of getting to the point. where I'm like, you know what? I, I I just I've written basically any expectation I've had for Kevin White off, but I'm trying to figure out what are they doing with him? Are they why are they babying him? It's sink or swim time. This is his third year. If he can't if he can't even make it through a normal you know off season program in the training camp without getting hurt, then you've got a lot bigger issues on your hand than trying to keep him healthy in the regular season. In my opinion. Yeah, and I, I wish
1: we knew if he was hurt or. If they are just babying him, I wish they would just would have came out and said it. But now we have to speculate. Um, but either way, I don't think I think you're right. Uh, in whichever way it is, if it, if he's hurt or if they're babying it or if he needs to rest after one day, what? How, why? Like what, what? What is going on here, man? Like is this? You know, I I feel your frustration, and a lot of Bears fans are frustrated in the same way as you. And you know, there's it's it's. It's even more frustrating cuz it's it's about injuries, you know, and because he's not out there and it's not you, you can't even like yell at him for for sucking because we don't even know if he sucks cuz he's not even out there, you know. So it's like you spent this top 10 pitch, 7th overall pick and you just got nothing out of it. I mean, that's we've discussed this a few times. You miss on first round picks, you set your team back for years. If you miss on it, if you draft a guy 7th overall and he doesn't even play, whoo. No wonder they only won three games last year. And I, you know, I'm not saying a wide receiver was gonna, you know, a top-flight wide receiver was gonna put him over the edge and send him into the playoffs last year. But uh, yeah, I, I feel, I feel that frustration, and I don't. And I wish I had more answers for you, and I wish the Bears would be a little more forthright with it. But they, but they aren't. So now we have to sit here and speculate and wonder what's going to happen with Kevin Wright. But I, I think you have it correct. Don't expect anything from him. If something happens out of, from Kevin, you know, if he if he produces at a high level, great. That's gravy. But you're not. Sign in Victor Cruz if you think Kevin White's going to be out here, you know, lighten it up this year. I'm telling you, that's they are just as worried about Kevin White as, as all of us are, and which so it wouldn't surprise me if they were just holding him out. But I don't know. Again, we we, we don't have any idea. We got to sit here and speculate and wonder what the deal is. But if he's not out there next week when we get out when we see him, then yeah, I, I just just write him off. And if he does something, if he wakes up and actually makes a play, so be it. You know, that'll be great. But you know, to expect anything out of Kevin White, it's it's just getting old.
2: Well, and the 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 last thought I have on that is, could a Victor Cruz signing say something about how they feel? Maybe maybe he's not progressing as well. Maybe they're not as confident. I know that's not something you'd want to replace Kevin White with, you know, or what you expect out of him. But it almost kind of makes you wonder. Victor Cruz has been a free agent longer than free agency has been going on, you know. So what's going on here? It just there's a lot of things that don't make any sense. And who knows? They could come out. You guys could go out next week, and he could be completely fine. And this isn't even isn't even a topic anymore. But we're dealings, and it's the same thing. It seems like every every year, man, John Fox, it just it it never changes.
1: Yeah, and it's uh it's it's frustrating for fans. It's obviously frustrating for the media. And uh, we'll we'll, discuss, we'll get into John Fox a little bit more as we go throughout this season because it doesn't look like things are gonna change. But you know, you can only hope that these whatever whatever their overall plan is, whatever their strategy is, that they think is necessary all this secrecy all this paranoia you hope that there's a long term plan in place and that that it's going to lead towards something that it's not just paranoia for paranoia's sake and that there's there is a plan that there's that, that they, they know what they're doing it's hard to it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt when you only win 3 games but why are you why is there so much effort so much effort to be secretive so much effort to make the media's job hard you know it's like I, I you know I don't want to compare it to politics, but you know it, it's almost like, the, you know they don't want anybody to know what about their brand new quarterback who's going to bring seat people into the seats. He's the guy who's going to bring people into the seats, but you don't want us to tell anything about him. What is that? I don't. I, I I mean for fans, you should be pissed off. You know you should want you should be able to get information about Mitch Trubisky and how he's playing on the practice field, but you can't. You can't get you can't get excited. You can't get excited about Kevin White because you don't know what the hell's going on with him. Because this team lies to you and and continues to to you know obstruct the job of the media. And hey, you you don't like the media? I get it. I don't like a lot of the media either. But at the end of the day, you're you as the fan are being done the disservice here. And you know that's my rant. I'll I'll, I'll stop right now. But you know, like I said, hopefully there's a long term plan because this is just
2: ludicrous in my mind.
1: Anyway, what anything else you want to talk about here in the last couple minutes?
2: No, I think honestly what, what you just said cuz we talked about it, you know, a little earlier before we did the podcast. I think you're right on because as a fan, I'm not, you know, I'm not a part of the media. Uh, but as as a fan, it's frustrating for me, but at the same time it's frustrating knowing you know, at least what what you guys do as a job. I mean, you it's so hard to just Man, it's it, it, I can't even imagine how hard. I mean, it's they just purposely making you guys' the jobs hard, well, and it, it, it's
1: very frustrating. Yeah, it's it's kind of like doing your job with two hands tied behind your back, especially with the type of access that we used to have. I mean, uh, it, it, those are the golden days. You know, <laughs> things didn't go under Mark Trestman, but man, you knew everything about this damn team when Mark Tressman was out there. So <laughs> the, you know, it was those are the golden days, guys. They're not they're not coming back, even if John Fox is drawn next year. So that'll wrap it up here for this uh, podcast post. The first week of uh, OTA's podcast. We will be back next week. We'll have another practice on Tuesday. I will be there. Uh, we'll discuss everything that went went on during that practice. Again, the following week with OTA's. And then after that, we'll have veteran uh, mini camp. And then we're six weeks away from, the, from training camp. So it's going to be here before you know it, guys. Really appreciate you sitting here with us throughout another podcast. Make sure you follow Aaron. On Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Give me a follow at Bear Report. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Check out all our work on our Bear Report Facebook page as well as the front page of BearReport.com. If you want to talk to us every day, come to the Bear Report message boards. Uh, put a post on there and, and we can discuss uh, the Chicago Bears team. That's it, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week. Have a good one.